this thing's recording. All right. Um, welcome. Um, who are you? My name is Erin Horrell. <laughs> um, do you have a middle name? Elizabeth. Elizabeth, okay. Pretty standard middle name. Uh, I think you're probably the second or third person with a, a pretty, we'll call it nominal. Nominal. Yeah, it, you know, name, <laughs> um, as a middle name. Um, well, welcome. Thank you. Um, so, uh, how'd you get started writing? I got started writing, well, I guess if you really want to go to the beginning of any like focused writing, it was in high school mm -hmm. because I was injured all the time from running. Okay. And so I'd sit my butt down on the little stationary bike in the athletic training office and okay. just pedal away because I you know, wanted to still be working on my fitness. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's where it started. And then I started road riding in college when uh, I joined okay. the triathlon club. Okay. Yeah. Um, when did you do your first triathlon? In 2011. 2011. Yep. Um, sprint? Olympic? Was it was it, a sprint. And it was actually here in Richmond. It was really? called the Brickman Triathlon. It doesn't yeah. exist anymore, okay. at All least right. as far as I know. Okay. Um, but I just thought it was funny when I moved to Richmond for work mm -hmm. for a triathlon company. Like, it, it was like kind of full circle that my first triathlon had been here in Richmond. Nice. Yeah. Um, uh, so I can, so there's a, what are the distances? Of, what are the distances called? The sprint? For sprint, Olympic, or international, they're this okay. the same thing. Um, and then there's the half distance and then okay. the full distance, which is also known as the Ironman. Okay. Okay. All right. So those okay. are the four standard. Okay. Half and then the, the, the full Ironman. Okay. All right. I knew the sprint because I was like, that seems in range. Yeah. Like maybe unlikely to happen. <laughs> um, uh, so you do your first, did, okay. All right. So you pick up riding in college when you join the triathlon club, right? Um, where'd you go to school? J you uh, JMU, ah, James Madison. Yep. Nice. Um, what were you studying? I, well, <laughs> I didn't decide what I wanted to do until I was like a junior, but, um, I landed on exercise science or okay. kinesiology. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, okay. All right. And you're not alone in, in, in like not finding out until like near the end, like, what do I have credits for? Like, yeah, make this a thing. So yeah, that's why I can't believe I graduated on time. <laughs> You have the you have the expensive piece of paper now. Yes, I do. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, you joined the triathlon club. Like, what was the the synthesis of trying to like join the triathlon? Were you were you running and swimming a lot already? And like, you're just like, I should just add the biking to this. Yeah. So I grew up swimming, just kind of on a summer swim team. Mm -hmm. So I had that box already checked, and then I loved running in high school, and okay. I kept getting injured. And all of those injuries culminated in a misdiagnosed stress fracture in my hip, like the neck of my femur. Okay. And it broke almost all the way through because everybody kept telling me it was fine and it, okay. it wasn't. And so I had to get screws and plates put in my hip. And the doctor didn't say I wasn't allowed to run anymore, but he kind of like hinted at it. And I was like, <laughs> screw you. Um, but I did realize that something like wasn't sitting right with my body and running okay. at the time. And so... I learned about, I had never even heard of a triathlon. And then someone I knew that knew I was going to JMU said there was a triathlon club there. And I was like, well, that might be good because I can still run. Mm -hmm. And then all the swimming and biking I was doing because I couldn't run yeah. would have it's then so been like purposeful, yeah. you know? So mm -hmm. that's kind of what caused me to join the triathlon club. Okay. Um, what kind of running were you like? What, what the, the injury during running, was that just like you were running long distances and somehow at like mile 10 you were getting like things were getting aggravated or like you how was the how was the injury in the running happening so i was getting a lot of stress fractures i think it was probably a few different factors i think um i was running way too much for my like 
my experience level of running. Okay. So I joined and I got put, I was really competitive. So okay. I pushed myself really hard to be one of the fastest. Okay. And that probably wasn't the best way to kind of ramp up my running. Yeah. And, um, I also, because I'm short, people were always telling me to like stretch my legs out further when I ran. So my stride would be longer okay. and that caused me to like land on my heels every time. Ooh, and yeah. when you land on your heel, the impact goes like to all of your joints and bones instead of okay. if you land on your forefoot, yeah. your, your arch takes up the impact and spreads it to your muscles. Okay. And so I was running very poorly as far as form goes. Um, and so I think kind of a combination of those things and just okay. not having like proper nutrition guidance, like all those things together, just yeah. my body was not in a good like balance as far as running and nutrition and form and appropriate distance. And I okay. don't know how much I was running because that time, like the Garmin watches were like the size <laughs> of an iPhone on your wrist and they weren't super accurate. Um, so I think yeah. all those things caused me to be injured a lot. Okay. Um, yeah. Doing a bit too much too soon. Yeah. Um, okay. So... Um, but you still run now mm -hmm. without injury for the most part. Yeah. I've, okay. I've worked on my form a lot okay. and over, and I mean, this has been like a five year journey okay. of mm -hmm. really working closely with, um, coaches that kind of understand how to build volume. And so this started in grad school, okay. um, and the coach I was working with really like slowed me down mm -hmm. and was very gradual and in increasing my volume. And then since I got to Richmond, Michael has been coaching me um, and he's really good at helping me build consistency and volume and strength. And the biggest, I think one of the biggest factors in this, at first I was like, this, there's no way this can work. But he told me I was so scared of being injured. Like that was causing a stress response in my body and increased like cortisol and increasing the likelihood of me getting injured. Yeah. And so a lot of what he's done is just like speak confidence into me. Like, no, you, you're not going to get injured. Like, it's okay if your shins are sore today. Like, roll them yeah. out, ice them, we'll reassess tomorrow. And so just kind of a whole, mm -hmm. like, several years of just working on building slowly and consistently and being brave, I think, has helped. You know, I still get little, like, nagging things here yeah. and there, but nothing really bone-related yeah. for a long time, which I'm really grateful for. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Um, wow, that, that, that is interesting. I mean, you know, was it, you know, speaking a thing into an existence kind of, kind of thing, you know, um, being confident you won't get injured. Um, so, so it's not, it's less of an issue now. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't remember. I think I had, I've had a couple suspicions that I was like headed to a stress fracture of maybe like just because I've had, like, I've had so many, I can't even count them. Right. So I know what they feel like. Okay. <laughs> um, well-versed. Yeah. yeah. So I've had a few like suspicions, but been able to kind of manage it by taking appropriate time off, which doesn't need to be that long if you're ahead of it. Right. Yeah. And then doing things like we call it prehab. So instead of having getting injured and then doing rehab on uh, something, okay. you, right. you do it preemptively. Okay. So doing those kind of things. Um, yeah. I have to remember that prehab. Yeah. yeah prehab. Um, that's a, that's an awesome plan. Um, um, join the triathlon club in college. Um, you do your first triathlon um, here in Richmond. The uh, I've forgotten the name of it already. Brickman. The Brickman. Um, where was that at? Where I did... I can't even remember. Okay. All just, I remember just... is the run like went into the woods and I cried when I crossed the finish line because I was so like emotional that I was running and feeling good. <laughs> I cry a lot, but it's fine. <laughs> um. So you okay? Well, you felt good. I was gonna ask how did you feel at the I first one? You felt great. Okay. All right. Except um, for I do remember. When I got off the bike to start running, I like 
couldn't figure out how to move my legs. And I heard one of my teammates, they were like, why is she running like that? And I was like, I can't feel my legs. <laughs> um, did you practice, like, what is it, the transition? Did you practice that beforehand? Or just like, I'm just going to wing it? I think we probably, later. well, we had the team. And when I joined the team, there were a lot of really awesome um, upper class people in the, like, mm-hmm. in the group. And... Sure upper-class students, I guess, and they really were good at teaching us and Mm -hmm. leading by example. And so I can't specifically remember it, but I do remember like one of, like the president of the club at the time, Mm -hmm. like taking me into a grass field to teach me how to clip in before Mm -hmm. we like riding on the road. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm sure we we practiced it before we got to the race. Okay. Okay. All right. Just making sure, because I would think that there'd be some, yes, you can run, yes, you can bike and swim, but like doing them in, you know, the transition between the, the two. It's definitely good to practice the, the transition portion. Um, how'd the clipping in in the field go? Uh, well, that probably went about as you would expect. I fell over a few times. And I also had never ridden a bike that had skinny tires. Like growing up, it just had a normal like kid's bike with the oh, thicker tires, wow. you know? Okay. And it was, somebody like lent me their triathlon bike for the season on the team. And she wasn't like really active that year. Yeah. And so, yeah, I learned how to clip in on a triathlon bike in a grass field and for the first like several rides yeah. I like I'm not joking yeah I would have like two of the bigger guys they would like ride on either side of me because yeah. every time I stopped I would just fall over because I couldn't like right, figure could, it out yeah, yeah and they would just like pick me up still like partially attached to the bike and set me back up like <laughs> and so it's funny because now as I'm coaching when people are like oh, I'm, I'm nervous about it I'm like listen you can't be worse than me like yeah. I had like bodyguards on either side of me <laughs> That's pretty bad, by the way. Uh, <laughs> but you, but you made it. Yeah. Um, somebody pointed out. Um, I talked to another guy, uh, Jan, whose interview will hopefully come out eventually, um, and he talked about um, clipping in with one foot and just only clipping with the one foot, right? And riding for you know weeks or something like that with just having the one foot oh. clipped in, and then clip in with the other foot, right? Yeah. And just ride with the one foot clipped in, and then like getting comfortable with unclip. So you get comfortable unclipping with both, both, but you'd have a you know like weeks of doing both. Um, that's I, smart. Yeah, I was like, that's great. That's I mean, especially if you're. It, but it, that would be great if you don't have like a time frame. I need to be ready in a week. Right. To clip in kind of thing. Yeah. Um, anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yeah, yeah that's sure. a really good tip. Um, so uh, you do your first triathlon. Um, you cry. Of joy. Out of joy. Of joy. Yes. Right, right. You're super happy. Yes, yes. Yes, let's point that out. Super happy that you crossed the, the finish line, which I can I can understand. Um, is Was the thing like, I'm going to, was it a sprint triathlon? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Was, what was the thought then? I was just like, I crossed the finish line. Like, were there already other events on the schedule kind of thing that you that you ran? Yes, because the, at, like the triathlon club, we would typically do three races a semester. Okay. Um, and I'm pretty sure there were races after that. Like, I don't think I would have waited to the last one. Okay. To, 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 do to it. join. Okay. Um, so, yeah. I, th- I think I probably had a couple other races planned. Okay. Um, and it sounds like you were you were happy you were like yeah I like this I oh I yeah feel, okay all in really okay. <laughs> um, did it feel I guess you'd run you'd done running events in some kind mm-hmm. and swimming did it feel better to do like all three together as opposed to like just doing a running event or just doing a swimming event did it seem did it feel 
like, oh, this is way more awesome to do a triathlon kind of thing than these other, the other just a single leg of those, those competitions. Yeah, I think, I think it did. Um, I was, especially like swimming, I was always a little bit weaker in the sprinting area. So for like, especially a summer swim team, like it's pretty much all sprinting. Okay. Um, and I remember people would always like tell me I did the best near the end of the race. Okay. It's a 50 meter race, right? So it's like, great. Yeah. You know, you can't catch up at that point. And so I think being able to combine all three and just mm-hmm. have a longer type event yeah. was favorable for me. And okay. I, it, it does feel really awesome. And I really like that you might have a bad swim, but then you still have the bike and the run to make right, up for recover, it or yeah. things like that. So mm-hmm. I really liked the idea of putting all three of them together. Okay. Um, it's just a fun and engaging type of way to race because things are changing constantly. Yeah, there's got to be more strategy in there. Also, you can't draft off anyone in the biking, right? Not, not in the to. typical triath. So there's like the standard triathlons okay. are not, but the ones that you see in the Olympics, yeah. um, they're called draft legal races. And you mm-hmm. have to be on a road bike. You can't be on a time trial bike. Okay. And you are allowed to form packs on the bike. And that completely changes the dynamic of the racing yeah. because you're jockeying for position in the swim. And so in a standard triathlon, the swim is really short relative to the bike mm-hmm. and the run. And you can be a really strong cyclist and make up a lot of the ground mm-hmm. because nobody else can draft. But if you come out a little bit behind from the swim in a draft mm-hmm. legal race and people have already formed a pack, yeah. It's like impossible. It's it can right, be really hard to bridge yeah. that gap. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So different two, two main different strategies that you might take in a triathlon, but the most typical is no drafting on the bike. Okay. okay. Um, I was not aware of the draft legal yeah. triathlons. Um, well, yes, I would imagine that. Yes, you can form packs. That would change the dynamics of of trying to do the race and have to add additional strategy um, to that. Um, so the preference is, or preference, uh, you're enjoying doing all three together and all the, the, the transitions that come with that. Mm-hmm. Um, when you, when did you start thinking, I want to do longer? Like, I'm not just going to do these sprints. Like when did it start getting like, I want to do, you know, the Olympics, a half, not, not yeah. Ironman. Ironman is the full distance. Right. Yeah. Um, okay. it's called a full distance. Ironman is the brand that puts on the races that okay. became most yeah. well-known. And so they call so them Ironman, but Iron you know, Man. some people yeah. get kind of yeah. weird about the difference, which makes sense. It, yeah. It's so, but yeah, the, the biggest, they're the longest one. Well, there are ultras, but, um, which is even longer, but Ironman is the typical longest triathlon. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I think I want to say when I was a freshman, I did an Olympic because it was regionals for that year. Okay. I'm pretty sure that could have been my sophomore year, but I don't think it was. I think it was my freshman year. So kind of jumped in pretty quickly to doing the Olympic and the long course triathlons, which is the half and the full, Mm -hmm. they were on my radar because a lot of the older people on the team were training for full Ironman at the time, Um, which now as a coach, I would probably discourage people from doing that. Um, But I didn't... (laughs) To train for the full? Yeah, that's just a long distance. And at the like college age, you're still really able to build and soak in a lot of speed mm-hmm. and so it's better to kind of leverage that okay and then you can do the longer stuff later but i knew i didn't want to do an iron man because yet because of the whole stress fracture thing i was not totally out of that yet and so uh, i was like yeah. i would be a fool right. but the half was definitely like tickling my brain a little bit and okay. i ended up doing one of those 
I think it was right after my junior year of college. So I waited a little bit before okay. doing the longer events. The half, um, how roughly, how long was the swim in the half? 1.2 miles. 1.2 miles. Mm-hmm. And then the bike is next. 56. 56 miles. Mm-hmm. And then the run is how long? 13. 13 miles? Point one. Yeah, half marathon. <laughs> And that's just the half. That's the half. So you double everything. Oh, right. Okay. The yep. half. For some reason, I was, I'm thinking of the Olympic. Okay. The half. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. The Olympic yeah. is about half of all those distances. Okay. Right. Um, except for the swim is strangely long. It's one, it's 1500 meters for the Olympic. Okay. All right. I want to get those down later. 1500 swim. Okay. All right. Um, so then uh, you, you, you eventually do an Olympic. Um, you said you did do a half. I did do a half, I think it was after my junior year. Okay. Like the summer after my junior year of college. Um, Was that like, there's another distance I can do. I should do it. Did you feel competitive? Like, what was like, you were just like, there's just another distance. I should just do it. Or you're like, I'm going to get a better time. Like, what were the thoughts of like trying to do the half? If you can recall. Yeah, no, I know exactly why. We had a kind of like a group within the triathlon club that was like really serious about training. Mm-hmm. Um, like we were, tra- it's, I look back and I'm like, how did I get school done? Like we were training a lot and they wanted to do the half, I think is how it started. And yeah. then me and a couple of the other girls got roped into it because mm-hmm. we were kind of in that little training group. Um, mm-hmm. So we all did it together, which was fun. Okay. Um, how long was that training? Cause you, you talk about that. Like how long was that? Like how, oh, well, how much were we training? Right. Yeah. Like how much, like clearly you're, you're hopefully we're going to class cause you finished. It's yes. Point, right? Yes. I was going um, to class. Yeah. <laughs> but I definitely like rode my bike at the end of a ride and like changed right before class. Like I've, I have memories of doing that. Yeah. Um, but we, I mean, we were, I don't, it's tough to know cause I wasn't really like analyzing my training a lot That's then. Funny. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it was like it's 10 hours. to 13 hours a week. Yeah. Um, okay. just based on how long the long rides were in the weekends, but we were, we were training a lot. Okay. Well, it seems like a lot, you know, um, you know, in your twenties ish, right? 19, 28. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, to be doing all that, that, that heavy amount of training, but. Oh, when I was, oh yeah, I was not 28 then. That's okay. yeah. 18 yeah. to, you know, 21 ish. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 Um, um, uh, so, um, you do, you do your half, um, and when does it become, You've done an Ironman? You've done a full? I've No, I've only done half so oh, far. I was half. training okay. for a full before COVID, but okay. then several things kind of derailed that. So I've stuck with halves okay. as my All highest right. so far. Cool. Um, do you still think you would want to do one? For sure, yeah. I'm just not in a rush to do one. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. All right. Um, yeah, and I, I, um, I've i talked to other people in this sh- on the thing and who were um, preparing for events, you know, that were motivated to prepare for events, and then those events got canceled. And threw off what am I training for like why am I why am I doing all the running why am I doing all the biking mm-hmm. like there's no event going on right now what what am so um so anyway uh someone mentioned um it's not runner's remorse she she mentioned something about like once you've done the event like this this almost depression because like you've done the event and like what do I do now like what am I what's almost what's my purpose i don't know if you feel that like after you've done an event are you like still super hyped and like focused and motivated like after you've done you know one of these events you've been training for for months yeah um i think i am most sensitive to 
like my result in the race, I guess. Okay. Um, and I've noticed, you know, like if I do poorly, that usually fires me up because I want to do better. If I do really well, I get really excited and then and then I get a little bit of a slump because I think like the dopamine rush is so high. The like natural reaction after that is your brain like tries to balance it out so you like slump a little. Okay. Um, but I really... And COVID taught me this, like the whole when everything was canceled was mm-hmm. there's just... I find a lot of joy in the training. Okay. Um, I love waking up and having something on the plan that I need to get done. Mm-hmm. And it's a really positive cycle. Even if you like, you know, in air quotes, fail a workout, there's yeah. still something to be learned from it. And so racing is really fun, but it, I kind of use it as a way to like showcase training and be kind of like almost like a test. Okay. And so at this point, barring any like, like I, I can go do a half Ironman. And so that's not like, I'm not sure. It's not like, can I finish this race? And mm-hmm. then it's done. And I'm like, well now what? Yeah. Um, yeah. So I usually don't necessarily have that post race slump. Okay. Because there's maybe not nothing. There's not anything on the schedule yet. Okay. It was just kind of like part of the plan and there's a bigger picture that we're still working towards, I guess. Okay. That makes sense. That's, that's, that's fine. Yeah. Um, Cause you're right. You're, you're enjoying the training itself. You know, you're enjoying the training itself as opposed to like just looking forward to the event. Mm -hmm. So like then, yes, I could see how the slump wouldn't hit as hard or even at all. If it wasn't just like, I need to do the event and that's it. My purpose is just to do the event. Right. If that's not the case, then yeah, I could see how you might not get as down about the fact that you've completed the event kind of thing. Um, um, so you, keep writing okay at some point you decide you want to help others right um how does like it's cool there's other question i want to ask like how does at what point do you say like i'm doing these when do you decide like i want to to be a coach yeah so i growing up i did summer swim team Mm -hmm. the first year our community had a summer swim team i joined and as soon as i was old enough i was a junior coach And so basically just like the junior coaches taught the little kids how to swim, which kind of is mind boggling to me because I never like, we didn't really get formal training on how to teach someone to swim. They just basically like took the good swimmers and they were like, you can probably teach a little kid how to swim, but it worked out. Um, (laughs) So I was a coach, like probably from the time I was 12, I was like a junior coach. And then I worked my way all the way up and I became the head coach of the summer swim team. I think it was before my freshman year of college or maybe after or something like that. Okay. Um, so nice. I kind of knew I enjoyed coaching. I think I probably thought I was going to end up being a teacher. So mm-hmm. I was kind of geared in that sort of mm-hmm. teaching and helping others area already. Yeah. Um, and then I got to college and I thought I wanted to be an athletic trainer. And then mm-hmm. I decided I didn't want to do that. And then I kind of bounced around a little bit and I ultimately chose kinesiology because I didn't know what I wanted to do and I yeah. didn't, know that was even a major mm-hmm. and when I learned that that was a major I was like wait I love exercise science is like fine yeah but combining them I was like sweet I'll do that and I'll just yeah. figure it out later so I get to the end of undergrad and I'm yeah. like oh shoot I don't know what I want to do still yeah and basically people in kinesiology will go like physical therapy occupational therapy mm-hmm. okay. um maybe PA school, like um, physician's assistant, mm-hmm. or they go to get their PA, their master's, their PhD, and then they teach and okay. do research. 
Okay. So I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I kind of knew I didn't want to do like most of those things. So I just did grad school. Okay. I stayed at JMU. It was the only program I applied to. And what's really cool is the professors there had a really big focus on endurance performance just because of who they were. Okay. And we had a performance lab that would conduct research. And JMU did a lot of the beginnings of research on caffeine Okay. Um, supplementation during exercise, which was cool. So I was just kind of saturated in this. Yeah. Like, we are nerding out over endurance performance. And I was a lab rat so many times. Like, I got yeah. muscle biopsies taken. Like, yeah. I was yeah. VO2 max testing. Like, mm-hmm. like it was like <laughs> popping candy. Like, all this kind of stuff. And I just, it was just amazing. And so, I did that for my master's. It was two years program. Two okay. year long program. Mm-hmm. Got to the end of that. And I was like, oh, shoot. I still don't know what I'm going to yeah. do. Yeah. And so, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just go get my PhD. Like, I, I mean, because I like teaching and I like exercise science. I was a little bit different in that most of the exercise science ends up being clinical. So people in like cardiac rehab okay. or maybe like diabetes interventions or things like that where you're turning the exercise physiology to help the general population. Okay. Okay. The part that I was interested in was the endurance performance okay. and that's a smaller sliver. Okay. Um, but I like started looking at schools. I had like phone conversations lined up with PhD directors or whatever. And then I got a message because I had been on the executive board for the triathlon club. Mm-hmm. I got like a blast email from endorphin fitness okay. um, saying they were looking to hire new coaches that preferably had, six years of triathlon experience mm-hmm. and a degree in exercise physiology. And I was like, Oh yeah, that's, that's you. Me. Yeah. I was like, Oh, <laughs> and so I came, I interviewed, yeah. um, I got the job. And so I, you know, emailed back that PhD guy. I was like, Hey, I just got offered like the dream job. I didn't know about like, sorry, I'm not coming to get my PhD. Like <laughs> we hadn't like, I hadn't even applied yet, but I was just like, I don't need to talk to you anymore. So, um, I really didn't ever think I would be a triathlon coach yeah. and, even if that kind of had become an idea of mine, most of the time you see triathlon coaches are have another full-time job and mm-hmm. then they do that on the side. Yeah. But Endorphin Fitness is an organization that can support full-time triathlon coaches. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had no idea until I pretty much had the job that I wanted to do that. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, what was it like? You, you become, I mean, you'd already been a coach before. Um, you know, the swim coach, did it feel like, oh, this is a higher level of coaching or anything like that? Oh yeah, for sure. So I had, I guess I had done as part of my internship at the end of my master's program, I did a little bit like of a, like I did an internship under the coach at the JMU club. Okay. So I had done a little bit of like, okay, let's test my coaching skills from swimming and see how that applies to triathlon. Yeah. Um, but then when I got to Endorphin, like Michael has this really awesome training platform and he knows so much about triathlon coaching. And so he trains new coaches. Okay. I already had a pretty robust background from that physiology side, mm-hmm. um, just from schooling and then my own personal experience from being a swimmer and a runner already. Um, so it was different in the sense that I was asked to apply more science than I had needed when I was coaching summer swim team. Okay. That was a lot more like, just kind of do what you feel is right. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Yeah. But the standard is a lot higher here. And so it definitely is different. Um, And yeah, I, it, it definitely was different and harder in the sense that I was dealing with lots of different people as opposed to just like, college students students, doing triathlon club or 10 year olds that are training for the 25 freestyle, you know? Yeah. 
now you've got potentially anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Anyone? Okay. Yeah. Um, so you start coaching. How long have you been coaching now? Since 2017. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. Um, so almost, yeah, almost five years in June. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I guess you had no idea, no thought that you were going to try to be a coach at, um, as a career yeah. kind of thing. Okay. Um, so you're coaching. Um, of uh, clearly asking a question about your clients at this point, right? I'll say clients, right? Um, is there a of the three legs, which one seems to be the most the most enjoyable and the least favorite of of uh, of the groups? Is it Ooh. like a, is it is it like all over the place? Like some people love to swim, or like everyone everyone loves to run. Like everyone hates the bike, or is it just like all over the place kind of thing? I would say most people only swim because they have to. Okay. So that's probably more typically the like least favorite. Okay. There are some people that love swimming and they would swim all day every day if they could. So I don't want to take that away from them. Um, And then I would probably, the running and the biking is kind of split. Really? Okay. If you had experience with running, Mm -hmm. like a positive experience with running (laughs) before you were an adult. Yeah. I find that most people are fine with the run. Mm -hmm. Um, The bike... The biggest thing that becomes an issue with the bike is I think that people just are a little bit more nervous because you're going at a higher speed. You need Mm -hmm. a bike on the road to train for Mm -hmm. it. Um, But yeah, I would say the run and the bike are pretty equal. In regards to But the swim seems more commonly disliked. (laughs) Okay. Like a 40, 30, 30 kind of thing? Yeah. Um, Okay. All right. I can see with the swimming because the running... You can just get out and go run, right? There's yes. not a whole, there's not a huge hurdle to that. The biking, you need a bike, but you can still also get out and bike. But the swimming, you've got to go somewhere. You've got to get into safe water or go into a pool. So it's not one that I would think most people have had regular experience with swimming, Correct. like doing laps kind of thing. Yep. And it's, uh, it's the hardest to learn technique for if you didn't learn it as a kid. Mm, um, okay. because there's a few elements that make it a little bit harder. Like okay. you can't breathe as much as you want and you have to float in a body of water. And, yeah. um, also yeah. you bring in the whole more. open water side Aspect, of things yeah. where people are afraid of creatures or there's not a black line on the ground to follow, um, or there's current. So yeah, it, there's a lot of things not going for the swim if you haven't grown up in the water. Yeah, the creatures. Yeah, <laughs> so how do you how do you calculate them into the to your time? Yeah, um, has that ever been an issue? Like actually, like running into like a, a have you been to an event where someone was in the water and they actually in, like a fish or something like they actually encountered a thing in the water and it you know became an obstacle or like they had to contend with it at all? No, it- I've not heard of anything. The only thing I've ever seen on that is. There was like a professional race last mm-hmm. year and they did the race. They were fine. It was, I think it was in the Pacific ocean. But then after these pictures came out that a, a shot that a drone got and yeah. there was like a shark, like Un- oh, close oh, enough oh. to be concerning, <laughs> concerning. but yeah. like they didn't know it was there. Yeah. And that's okay. the only time I've seen a creature like get Even close involved, to triathlon. Yeah. I'm sure it's happened, but I haven't um, heard of anything or experienced it personally. I would imagine, and I'm not the most well-versed in aquatic life that like, a, a body of people moving through the water would cause such a stir that the, if anything there would just like, nope, we're not going to go check that out at all. Yep. Kind of thing. 
anything that would be enticing, I think, is negated by the fact that it's a big splashing right. and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's confusing. Um, provided no one's bleeding. Yeah. Yes. Concerning and overwhelm. Um, so either way, I, I was curious about that because I think my last time swimming was hilarious and 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 not uh, not well of me. Um, I've done some running on the treadmill. Okay. Um, and that's as aggressive. It's as it's as big as it's gotten um, since I started running. Sometime I will step outside and go run, um, but it's unlikely. But I feel like the running would be the the least favorite leg of a triathlon for me. The biking clearly I can handle. Right. Um, but the running seems like it would be the, the one that would have the most suck involved. Yeah. Um, kind of yeah. Thing. Particularly after all the other stuff. Yep. So. It is tough after everything. Anyway. Um, so, <clears throat> uh, as we bring up some biking stuff. Okay. Um, uh, you go on a bike ride. Um, what do you like to take with you on your bike rides? So, are you asking like... Coach okay. Aaron, that is, it's like Coach Aaron that's doing everything she should be on her bike and preparing for her races, or like Aaron that just is going for a bike ride. It's a good question. Yeah, right. I guess so I can answer let me, both. Let me, let, me, let me calibrate that. Um, and you should clearly give the answer that you don't mind being recorded. Oh, it's either um, is fine. <laughs> um, if you're going for like, you've done some distances, so I'll say like a 30 mile bike ride as opposed to a 70 or an 80 mile bike ride. Like, what's a. What's the, what do you try to, you know, you know, 30 miles bike rides coming up tomorrow. Like, what do you, what do you want to take with you on that ride? Other yeah. than the bike and your helmet and shoes. Right. Yeah. The necessary gear. I would take some tailwind, probably like tailwind. Tailwind. So it's a sports drink mix. Okay. Um, generally you can do like 200 calories per bottle. It's got sodium, magnesium, all the good stuff in it. Okay. Um, but it has calories in it. And that's important to me because you can burn, you can consume three to 400 calories per hour on the bike. And have that still be used to help you perform mm-hmm. better. Okay. So um, I would probably take Tailwind, probably two bottles of that. Um, and then, I mean, if I'm just chilling, like that might be all I need. Okay. If I'm trying to do like intervals on the 30 mile bike ride, I yeah. might bring like a couple goose so that okay. I can kind of top off okay. on that. If I'm going on a long, long ride, just going for the distance, I'll still do the Tailwind. Mm-hmm. I might do like waffles because... Okay. I'm going a little more relaxed and I can chew. I have a hard time like chewing and breathing and biking <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> um, and so if I'm, if I've now added in the element of I'm trying to go fast, I yeah. like take out the waffles. Let's just like, don't do, deal with that. But um, I find that those are really good on easier rides. I've been known to bring like kettle chips on long rides. Oh okay. Um, Cause I think like the salty is a good balance. Cause you're normally doing a lot of sweet stuff. Okay. Um, trying to think like maybe a cliff bar like nothing really crazy okay. um okay um yeah. goose um like the actual brand goo nope um okay. <laughs> just the okay. like umbrella term okay. Okay. right now i'm all over they're called endurance tap i think okay or it might be slope side i don't know i get them confused but it's a maple syrup base ah uh, okay and that they have a- they're really good um and they're thin which i appreciate because the goos are a little bit too thick mm-hmm. for right. me yeah yeah. Um, they, so they, and then they have lots of fun flavors too with okay. the maple syrup ones. Um, yeah, I was going to ask like, is there, is there a preferred flavor with the, the maple syrup ones? Right now they have a salted caramel. That's really good. Yeah. I don't know if I've ever had, um, cause the actual goo brand does have salted caramel. Yes. And I believe the honey stinger also has a salted. I've not actually had, I've had caramel. 
but I don't know if I can even think of what the salted caramel is a, is a flavor taste like. Yeah. Um, but either way, so I'm glad you... Yeah, they're great. Okay. Um, the waffles. Um, are Do you have a flavor for your waffles? So the same brand as the gel, I'll call it a gel. That's more neutral. Um, yeah. yeah. They have a raspberry waffle that's really good. And these are like the, the Stroop waffle type. Like I'm not talking yeah. about like a Belgian waffle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they have a raspberry, they have a chai one that's really good. They have a chocolate one. What's the name of this brand again? It is... Because it's not Honey Stinger. So like... oh, no, it's not Honey Stinger. Let me see if I can look it up. I want to say... I, I tr- It's funny. I tried to buy one that like a pro that I follow mm-hmm. likes, and I ended up ordering the wrong brand. It's like an adjacent brand. Like It looks really similar. They probably <laughs> like modeled off of the other one. Um, and it was funny because I like posted about it. Yeah. And then... Oh, it's called Untapped. Untapped? Yes. And that's just how it sounds? Untapped? Yep. Yeah, untapped? Okay. All right. Um, but anyways, this was not the brand and another girl messaged me and was like, I made the same mistake. Like that's not actually the brand that she uses. And I was like, Oh, I feel like an idiot. Um, but it's really good. So I've stuck with them. Okay. So untapped. Waffles. Untapped. Okay. Um, I tend to ask if there's flavors and brands cause there are so many hydration and like nutrition brands that I've just not heard of. Yeah. You know, I know the ones that kind of, I think advertise the most to the to the most common populace. I don't know how, like, you know, kind of thing. So I, yeah. I know of Honey Stinger. I know of the Goose. Gatorade, right? Um, Cliff, you know, mm-hmm. the Cliff brand. Um, and a few other, but you anyway, So I asked, if you had the, um, waffles, um, the flavor of the waffles? Yeah, I think probably my favorite right now is the raspberry. Or the raspberry. It's really okay. good. Raspberry. All right, we'll keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, the um remember performance bicycle yes um um oh god they were i have no idea how long they were here in richmond uh performance bicycle um a uh, uh what is it called um either way they were a brand of a retail store or whatever okay people listening um but they were out in the west end near um where the kroger and the sam's club is okay. on broad street um but they used to sell um hammer um yep. hammer nutrition mm-hmm. um and they would sell the honey stinger um waffles there and occasionally they'd have a deal where they give you like either 20 percent off so it ended up being like nine dollars for the box or eight dollars oh, for the wow. box of 16 waffles um which was great and not great because then i'd take them home and eat them like cookies they're so good delicious <laughs> how could you not <laughs> um, but they'd have different flavors so I, i'm like yeah. ah that's what i miss about having performance here it's like i could get the honey singers the good you know, deal <laughs> yeah because now they're super expensive yep. they're like 25 dollars a box or something like that. yeah um okay so we've got your nutrition that you take with you um on the ride do you prefer riding when you do your training, you do that. Do you do that solo? Do you prefer to ride with people? I always prefer to have a buddy. Okay. Like always, okay. Um, it gets a little bit harder if I have like a hard workout to do, mm-hmm. um, because I do try to adhere to my training plan pretty well. Okay. Um, but I do have like one of our one of our other coaches. Um, our workout, like Michael, kind of syncs up our workouts so okay. that we can do them together. Oh, um, nice. Okay. But yeah, I would. I mean, like. From a very basic level, I think it's always better to ride with somebody if you can, just mm-hmm. because there's safety in numbers and um, if something happens and you can't help yourself, it's good to have somebody that can help you. Um, so just as a basic safety thing, I think it's good to have a buddy. Yeah. But then also, I'm just a social person person in general, so I'll always 
okay. choose the buddy over the solo ride most okay. likely, unless I'm in like a really bad mood. And I, but it's like, even if I'm in a bad mood, usually, usually being with somebody helps. So yeah. there's not many times I would opt for a solo. I can't imagine being in a bad mood on a bike ride kind of thing. It's usually like probably a result from like a, if it's a bad, if it's a hard workout and I've been having a bad day outside of like mm-hmm. training sure. and usually it makes me feel better. Right. And mm-hmm. so that's, it's usually not like I hate biking, blah, blah, blah. sometimes <laughs> I hate biking, but <laughs> I can't hate biking. Um, okay. Um, I asked you about your snacks. Um, uh, you do race. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we'll ask you, um, memorable events memorable events yeah have there been like either um and that's a general question of have there been any like i went on this this like this ride just somehow seemed more epic and memorable like it was just a ride or like an event is there any like things in your cycling experience that like they just like stand out of like that day was awesome or just like the worst day ever on a bike (laughs) yeah Yeah. i think i've had the whole range like many people that spend Mm -hmm. hours a week on a bike um some of the most epic rides I can think of are from college back when, like, <laughs> like maybe didn't have enough money to buy food to bring on the bike ride, you know, things yeah. like that. It was like we did the college triathlon thing. Yeah. Um, but, like, one ride we... Okay, so I guess back up. For out of Harrisonburg, there's this really big ride called the Alpine Loop of the Grand Fondo. Have you heard of it? I've Jeremiah heard. Bishop. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, he's known for doing things on a road bike that maybe mm-hmm. he should be on a mountain bike for. Yep. And so yeah. I did the Alpine loop, the whole thing. Okay. Um, so that, nice. that alone, super epic. And I'd yeah. actually done a triathlon the day before and I woke up that morning to do the, it was a sprint, but I still a triathlon. Yeah. Um, and I woke up the next morning and I was like, what have I done? And I did the Alpine loop and it was freaking awesome. Yeah. Like so cool. So you go up, um, you bike up 33 West. It's a mountain and you drop down into West Virginia. Mm-hmm. You do this crazy gravel climb called Folks Gap, I think, or Folks Run, something like that. And it was like very thick gravel. And I just remember this dude like came up and he was like trying to race me. He didn't say it, but he was trying to race me. And I was yeah. like, oh no, you don't. And so we raced <laughs> up. And I remember getting to the top of the hill and we were like neck neck and neck. And I was yeah. like, why are you doing this? <laughs> like, I was so I was like, well, we still have like 70 miles to go. <laughs> But that was like really that. So I remember that very clearly. And then you do some rollers and then you end up climbing up the dark side of Reddish Knob, which is a really tall mountain Mm -hmm. um, and it's gravel. And then you come down the front end of Reddish Knob. So I think I did that first. And then another time some friends and I were trying to replicate this and the only gas station on the loop was closed when we got to it. So wait, like you, you went out and just did the route. This is another, saying? yeah, part okay. of it. We did part of it. Okay, um, okay, okay. Like maybe they're like 70 mile option or something. So you sure. go up west into West Virginia, you cut mm-hmm. out the crazy gravel climb, and then you come up the backside of Reddish. And the gas station was, was closed, so we were like, oh boy. Like, mm-hmm. this is going to be fun. Maybe yeah. we'll find something along the way, except for there's nothing because we're in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Um, and some things had slowed us down over the course of the ride. And mm-hmm. I remember we got to the top of Reddish Knob and like the sun was setting. We don't have lights. We are 25 miles from Harrisonburg. And I was like, oh no. Yeah. And like one of the people we were with like panicked and he just left us. And I was like, oh, what? You can't do that. Like, what? what? And so we're like, what are we going to do? And none of our cell phones work because we're at the top of a mountain in West Virginia. 
And luckily there were some mountain bikers that had been shuttling and yeah. doing downhill. Yeah. And they realized like, hey, these like yeah. dumb road cyclists yeah. are on the top of the mountain and it's dark. And so they offered us a ride home. Um, okay. They were from a local bike shop in okay. Harrisonburg. And so we got rescued. But that was definitely one of the more epic and like, oops, like we learned 10 lessons today. Um, rides. Bring a light. Yeah. So that one was pretty epic. Um, nice. Definitely one time I did Reddish Knob. Did you know that climb? I have not actually done there, but I've heard people refer to it. So I've not actually done this this climb. Yeah, you should definitely do it. It's tough. There's nothing quite like it. Every time I do it, I'm like, why am I doing this? But yet I still, I can't count how many times I've done it. So, and this you know. is all paved though? The one, Yes, this okay. side is paved of it. And okay. it's like the standard climb is six miles, but it's probably about eight when you take into consideration the lead-in. Okay. One time my friend and I drove out there. We did it twice back-to-back. That was pretty epic, dumb, wow. you know, yeah. interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Um, races, like I remember one time I did, I've done one Criterium race. Okay. I remember doing that and I think I got like third or second. I got out sprinted at the very end because mm-hmm. I... I, I like attacked too early uh, oh, um, okay. and I remember we all went on a cool down lap together and I like had to pull off the side and I was like dry heaving because I'd worked so hard like I was like this is not fun me. like yeah. I don't know if I'll do one of these again um but I was doing that because I was training for the draft legal type of triathlon and ah, so, so getting get used practice, to the yeah. mm-hmm. okay so that I, that one stands out um I actually did the Wednesday night worlds ride last week have you heard of that? It, w, I think that's what it stands for. Wednesday um, night world. They meet at Shiplock. I think Carytown Bicycle puts it on. Okay. And they go out and they ride on Osborne and then they drop into the battlefield parks and they race three laps of it and then come back. Was not aware of this. Yeah. Wednesday it's, night worlds. No. I don't think they're having it. I think they stop it. My understanding is they stop it when the Bryan Park races are going on. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And then I think it picks back up after. I don't know. This was the first time I went. Okay. That was really fun. I'd never ridden with like a huge pack of guys before where yeah. you're like race format type thing. And like yeah. in the drafting triathlons that I've done, the girls ride very differently. Okay. Um, and so that was really fun. And that's a very recent memory because um, nice. that was just last week. So Nice. I feel like I've heard that the Wednesday Night Worlds before. I just don't know where I've seen it somewhere. But, uh, Maybe I Strava. Shall, that's probably likely. Yeah. yeah. That's, like, that's likely where it is. Uh, but I shall look into that. Um, I remember the Carytown crew one time. I did the Carytown ride. Yeah. Uh, two Saturdays ago. Gotcha. Like, yeah. It might not be. I'm not sure. If someone's listening and they know. Sorry if that's wrong. But I know there were a few Carytown <laughs> people there and they were very that's nice. Fine. <laughs> um, that's That's fine. It could just be. Yeah. It could just be random people who, who show up and, and Carytown folks show up there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so those are some of your epic rides. Thank you uh, yeah. for sharing that. Um, um, why do you keep preparing and doing events? Why do you keep doing all this? I think it is, it's just so awesome to continue to challenge myself um, and grow through the tension of the good workouts and the bad workouts. Okay. And because... I'm dead. I mean, you can ask anybody. I'm not always like, yes, I get to train today. Like, I'm so excited. Like, a lot of times I'm like, why am I doing this sport? Um, especially on like, I don't know. I mean, it can even be an easy run sometimes that I'll be dreading or yeah. an easy ride. But there, I think there's a lot to be said for the growth that we encounter mm-hmm. when we push past that. Like, I don't want to do this, but I think it's 
going to be better in the long run that I do. Like, no pun intended. Yeah. Um, I love challenging myself. I think it's so cool that I've been doing this sport for 11 years. And I'm yeah. still, like, breaking records of, like, yeah. my own, you know, you yeah. know, getting better and seeing myself grow. Um, and so, ultimately, that's why I do it. It's a lot of fun. Okay. I get to be around amazing people and mentors in the sport. Um, I think that exercise is critical to a healthy human being. Mm-hmm. Um, there's mental health components to it. I think yeah. there's just, there's more reasons to do it than there are not. And okay. I'm able to. And right now fortunately it's part of my work and so it's just <laughs> it makes it easier yeah it's just amazing i feel like it's a privilege to be able to do it and i see the benefit in the long run to keep to keep okay. training and racing yeah okay um thank you yeah um uh the uh the clients who who come and like work with you do you um do you end up with um you know, more people like I'm already experienced in running. Now I want to train in, in all three or like, I know biking or like, how, how often do you end up with, do, do you, yeah, I guess how often do you end up with someone's like, I want to do this, but I have no real experience, no material experience with either three. Yeah. I would say most people that I begin working with have some sort of like gateway. Right. They've done something that has led them to like, I want to do a triathlon. Right. Maybe they've never done a triathlon, but they've run or they've they've done swimming before or they've mm-hmm. biked. Um, most people kind of get mm-hmm. into it from running, I would say. Okay. Whether that's like me where they were getting injured and so they wanted to do something that still had running but has some other things. Um, but we don't require any sort of level of experience. Okay. I've had people join that don't know how to swim. Okay. Um, I've had people join that don't know how to ride a bike outside. Like they can mm-hmm. ride a bike, but they've never ridden on the road. Yeah. Um, so, and then I've got some people that have done several Ironmans and they mm-hmm. just want structured training or yeah. they've done a sprint and they signed up for an Ironman and they're like, oh, oh no, I yeah. need help getting there. So really it's everything. Okay. Um, I've seen it all for the most part. Okay. Um, yeah, I would think that like being an experienced runner would be the most prepared for doing a triathlon like having more experience right this is me as a non-trained person um it seems like the running personally it seems like the again because me personally running <laughs> yeah, seems yeah. like the most difficult that's the barrier so for like, you yeah mm-hmm. if running if someone's already a, like a decent runner to what some then it would seem like the other two would be easier to pick up than if you were a swimmer and then decided to like then pick up the running and the cycling because you know we can all ride a bike mostly mm-hmm. kind of thing so either that's my thought on that. I would say the hardest thing for most people, again, is the swim. Like, that's the biggest really? barrier of entry to the sport. Mm-hmm. I just, um, and it's just so tough. And I think people that know how to swim, at yeah. least, like, even when I say know how to swim, like, are even comfortable being in the water yeah. and, like, floating. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. But then also, if, like, you can swim down and back in the pool. Yeah. Like, that's huge. And I think it's something that mm-hmm. can be really easily taken for granted. Um, but I, yeah, I definitely would say that swimming is the hardest thing. Okay. Um, but, yeah, for you. And part of my job as a coach is to find the barrier, right? Mm-hmm. And to find the limiter. And so, like, for you, run. We got to get you yeah. in a good place with running, right? <laughs> and that's that's, you know, part of the cool thing of coaching is everybody is different 
no yeah. two athletes are the same. Um, um, yeah. I feel like the swimming would go. Okay. So I will tell you the story of the last <laughs> time I went swimming. Um, I went to the Bahamas. Uh, this is in 2013. Is that the la- that was the last one I was in water. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Yeah, not including baths. So, like, those yes. some baths. So, <laughs> um, 2013, I go to the Bahamas kind of reluctantly on this cruise. Didn't want to go. But my family was like, Trey, we'll pay for it. Let's Can't go. ride my bike on I, the cruise I'd ship. I just no. gotten a job. I'd okay. just gotten a job. But actually, what happened is they were like, you should go on this cruise. We'll pay for it. I was like, I don't really want to go. We'll pay for it. Okay, all right. Mm. But then I got a job, which was great. I finally got the job. But the cruise was like, the second week of me being on the oh, job. Mm-hmm. So when I was in the interview, I was like, hey, I've got this cruise. Is this okay? And they were like, that's fine. That's cool. You let us know. Take your time. So do this cruise to the Bahamas. We stop in one of the islands, and then we're deciding to do one of the excursions, right? Uh-huh. And we don't do... Have you been on a cruise before? Mm-mm. Eh, like it's, yeah, you could leave it. Um, yeah, I'm not. Yeah, I'm not so sure. I'm sold on the cruises, but I get that right now. Yeah, them. don't. Like, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> we wouldn't be where we're at now with the pandemic. Um, <laughs> cruises. Um, so either way, um, you know, you're trapped on a boat. So either way, you go to the you know, go to the island, and you can do an excursion. Like when you go to the Bahamas, like different. And these excursions are like, let's go jet skiing, or like let's do a, a tour of the island. Like there's, there's these excursions and. Um, whoever the cruise line that kind of arranges these things you can mm-hmm. uh, before you even get there you can pay for these things right so when you go to the island you'll have a thing to do right as opposed to just walk around right and see the markets so or you can just go to the island and they will um there's people there who are doing their own version of the excursion so like there's just people who just take you on a tour and it's a little cheaper oh mm-hmm. right but you kind of don't get the same level of security of like <laughs> the carnival cruise version like you know kind of thing Right. So instead of doing, we decided to do um, snorkeling. And instead of paying for the snorkeling from Carnival Cruise, we decided to do just the, the island version of the snorkeling. Right. And it was like right next, either way. So we get to the thing and the guy's like, here's your, here's your goggles. Here's your, your flippers. It's <laughs> how you put them on. You get in the water this way. So we we're right on the water and like right next to us is the official Carnival Cruise, like t- 25 yards away. They're in a nice <laughs> tent. And they're like, we're actually not going to go out because it was like too windy or something. Like the water was too choppy. So like 30 people just chilling, professional guide with them kind of thing. Says no swimming today. Right. It was like, no, we're not going to go. But they waited. And so eventually the guy who was with us was like, yeah, y'all can go. Right. Just just go. No one else is over at this side of it. It's like a a rope that separates the two. So (laughs) no one's over here with me and my cousin. So we get in the water, got the snorkel. And I think I swam. Like once I got to the point where I couldn't stand anymore, I think I swam for like 20 more yards and was like, I'm too tired. <laughs> like, and, and like my cousin probably went like five more yards or something like that. And I was like, I think I'm going to drown. Like, I need to come back. So like, and like the, and when we're halfway into our short, short ass swim, then everyone else hits the water and just like fish. They swim out to this rock, which is like a hundred yards out. And that's where you had to go see the fish. Oh. And so we had to like, we turned around. It's like, nope, I'm not going to make it out that far. They just all hit the water. Oh my goodness. And so we just, we went back to the shore. I was like, okay, yeah, that was a fail. <laughs> and so that was the last time that I got in water to swim. Okay. Um, I'd intended to go to MCV to, um, it tended to go to MCV in 2020 because my goal that got derailed by the pandemic was to work on swimming and uh, getting faster. I wouldn't actually train that year. Yeah. I could potentially do some more races. Do some races, rather. 
all that shit got derailed because of the pandemic. Right. They closed the pools. Yeah. Couldn't go to right. So I have a nice set of goggles I've yet to use. Yet. Oh, they're nice gonna be set. nice though. They're not gonna get foggy. Right. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Either way. Um. So. Uh, at some point, yes, I will also step into a pool and maybe a tri- maybe a triathlon after. Yeah. But I, I feel less likely about that. But either way. Um, so, yeah, swimming might also be a challenge as well when I try to get out there. Um, how did, as I mentioned, my, my hiccup with the pandemic, right? Um, how did the pandemic affect your, your riding, your cycling, your, your getting out and doing things or did it not at all? Kind of like how, how did anything kind of get derailed? Yeah. You know, so it came around. Hmm. So obviously the swimming got super derailed. We, cause you swim at, you swim at like pools mm-hmm. as opposed to like open water. Yeah. And it was like, I mean the first time everything happened, it was March. So we couldn't quite swim in the open water yet. It was mm-hmm. still a little bit too cold. Um, so we did like a dry land type of swimming where you take like um, stretch, they're called stretch cords or swim cords. Okay. And it's like plat, like t- rubber tubing that you might see like bands that, okay. mm-hmm. with the yeah. handles at a gym. Mm-hmm. Um, but instead, I mean, you can use the ones with handles or they buy, they sell them where they have like a swim paddle on them. So you can actually have your hand flat okay. and you just anchor it like to the wall and you do the swimming motion uh, with the stretch okay. cords. Okay. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. can at least work your muscles in that way. Mm-hmm. So like that was a big change. And although a good substitute did not, tra- I found that it personally, it did not translate very well to mm-hmm. actual swimming when we were able to get into the pools again. Um, it, for running, it didn't really change anything personally, um, okay. just because, you know, you run outside or, mm-hmm. I guess the only thing that, it, it's also tough because like I work at Endorphin and we have a facility and so yeah. like I can go in and unlock the door and go work out by myself. Okay. But certainly there were, we had lots of rules there and protocols and stuff like that and so it wasn't like a free for all. Um, yeah. But like I had access to that. Um, if I needed a treadmill, for example, and then biking, I have a trainer at home, mm-hmm. Zwift, um, okay. that kind of stuff. It definitely limited, especially at the beginning when we were a little bit more uncertain about if and how it could spread outside. Mm-hmm. Um, I was more selective about who I rode with. Yeah. And so that group was probably a little bit smaller, probably did a, a little bit more solo training than usual. Okay. But then once we kind of learned that the outside was generally safe things kind of got back to normal and but the swimming was definitely the biggest hiccup there okay um but there wasn't i mean we didn't know when races were going to happen again and so it felt urgent to try and find a solution yeah and then eventually pools opened and you would just reserve reserve lanes um mm-hmm. which is still going on actually at some places yeah but um so that that, that made good. things tough because yeah like a workout like from start to finish, including rest and everything at the pool, like usually takes me about 90 minutes. Okay. And a lot of the reservations were like an hour. And so it's like, okay, we have to, a lot, a lot, we have a lot less time. How are we going to manage that kind of stuff? So personally, there wasn't that much that needed to be shifted. We had to do a lot of creative thinking Mm -hmm. as like for me as a coach over the adult group program for our group practices, because we couldn't meet inside. Yeah. And at the beginning, when we weren't sure about spacing of people outside, we had to be really strict about, you can't bike in a Peloton with your friends. You need to be, you know, right. this far apart. And there were all those charts that said like right. how, how far, far your respiratory molecules can travel yeah. at this, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so that was definitely tricky, but we made it through. We did, we utilized um, Zoom a lot for mm-hmm. a group. Everyone just had trainers at home yeah. and we would get on Zoom. 
and that kind of stuff. So, okay. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned Zwift and I, I have to ask about Zwift. Yeah. Um, do you have a classic or smart trainer? I have a kicker snap. Ah, that is a smart trainer. Yes. Smart trainer. Yep. Um, and I actually have a, dumb, we call them dumb tra- trainers. Um, yeah, they are. Yeah. I actually prefer the dumb trainer. Okay. Um, I think that the flywheel feels better. Okay. If I had a kicker core mm-hmm. with the wheel off, that yeah. would be fine, but I don't have one of those. Okay. But to do Zwift, I would rather be able to have it change the resistance on me, so I use the snap. But I find that it's slow. the flywheel's heavier mm-hmm. on the kicker snap, and so it makes my cadence a little bit slower than my like, natural preference is, mm-hmm. and that feels like really bad. But I've gotten stronger over the years, but I like hated it at first. <laughs> okay. Um, Zwift is not outdoor riding. There's a, I, I think I, I try to tell people like you, you have to learn how your riding in Zwift will be as opposed to like, I'm not trying to tell you as a coach, but like, yeah. you know, you're, cause I, I'll, cause I helped lead the organizer Rabba Zwift uh-huh. rides. So, um, you know, when talking to people about smart trainers, like I, I have to, I've had to remind people like we're riding on Zwift. It's a, it's a similar cause you're still pedaling. But there's a getting used to like this is how my ride experience on Zwift will be, as opposed to my outdoor ride. Like right, you know, like a Zwift FTP as opposed to like your outdoor FTP. Like for know, sure, and speeds could, even like oh, Zwift right, doesn't yeah. account for wind. Um, yeah, no, it yeah. does not because I can do like I can do 50 miles in two hours, and I cannot do that in real life. Right. Like I, yeah. You know, it's, it's impractical through the desert and then through a volcano, so it's not right. quite realistic. <laughs> um, so you use it, do you do like the structured workouts in Zwift or do you, what do you? No, do you I um, get on there. Or is it just like, so you can just have something on the screen kind of thing? Yeah, I like to have something on the screen. I like to go for like the short, like sprint QOMs or whatever. If I'm doing an easy ride, like I'll do those. I don't like, I'm not a hammer every single ride kind of person because there's a place for going hard and there's a place for going easy. Um, So I do have to like restrain my competitive side, but usually I'll go on Zwift. I really like, so if you have training peaks, which is like a platform Mm -hmm. to load workouts onto um, that connects to Zwift and you can play like air quote, play your Mm -hmm. workout on Zwift. Yep. But I like to not use erg mode, so I like to be able to control it myself. Ooh, okay. Um, and I like that it just brings you through. And this is the this is the kicker: is it gives you a gold star if you do it <laughs> at the proper watts. That's true. And I'm a sucker for a gold star, and so I like yeah. to do it on on there. Um, yeah. But also, I think there's a lot of value to doing a hard workout outside too, because okay. again, riding on Zwift is not riding outside. So yep. I'll use it for a short, easy ride if I don't have time to like go out on the road, just because sometimes it takes a little bit longer than. Yeah. Even our ride might take 75 minutes and yeah. usually scrambling. Um, so I might hop on the trainer for that, but, um, or sometimes I'll do a race on Zwift, but okay. not really, I'm not a Zwift junkie, but I okay. do enjoy it and I use it enough to rationalize paying for it. <laughs> okay. All right. Just, just curious. Yeah. Um, have you heard of Zwift cast? Is it, is it a podcast? It is a podcast. <laughs> no, yeah. I haven't. Um, this guy, um, only because I just heard about this. this guy, Simon Schofield, had this podcast where he, he, he interviewed different people and, and talked about, you know, what's happening in Zwift and events and things like that. And I guess he'd been doing it for a few years, right? And Zwift was supporting him. Like, I think they were giving him a little money to, mm-hmm. to do the thing, right? But it, you know, it was in support of Zwift and he would be critical of stuff Zwift would do that we didn't like. Yeah. Um, but he, he hung it up. He, he, he stopped doing it. Really? 
as of like three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, he had his last podcast. He was like, you know, he's going to move on and do other things, right? Oh. He's just not going to do this thing. But he'd been doing it for years and people knew about this. And apparently um, what Zwift did, I don't know if have you, um, I don't know how well you know the terrain in Zwift. Um, there's an epic KOM yeah. right at the mountain. And then um, at the top of the epic KOM is the radio tower climb. So I haven't you, seen that one. So if you, um, when you go up to the top of the epic KOM, because you like go into the mountains, it's like snowy and stuff like yeah. that. Somewhere, if you go the, if you go the, it's kind of, we'll call it the long way, right? Um, there's a left turn. Once you go through the arch at the top, there's a, there's a goat waiting for you at the top. Oh. There's a, you go through the arch, you take a left turn at the top, and then that takes you to the radio tower climb. Okay. And it's like a 0.8 of a mile, but it's like a 13 to 15% grade oh, on, wow. on simulator on gravel. Um, and so it's like the most aggressive climb in Zwift. It's uh-huh. like right there. But you have to, the only way you can get to it is to take the Epic KOM right. one way or the other to get up to it. But there's a radio tower. That's, and they call it the radio tower climb because there's a radio tower at the top. Um, but what they've done apparently is they've, um, if you ride up to the thing, you will, all, you will apparently as of like last week, you'll hear Simon Schofield's voice um, coming off and like, hey, this is the Zwift cast or whatever. So they immortalize his voice oh, that's um, so as cool. it's coming from the, the radio thing. But you, you'd only know if you like knew of the thing. Kind yeah, of you would, that's really so, cool. Um, so I, yeah, I thought that was ex- exceptionally cool because he'd been doing the podcast for a couple of years. Yeah, I'll have to um, check it out next time I've got a long trainer um, ride and I'm stuck inside. <laughs> uh, I am... Uh, I enjoy introducing that climb to people. Yeah. As you mentioned, the, the climb of Red Knob. Right? Yep. Um, I enjoy introducing that climb because it's like, oh, what the fuck did we just do? Why did we take this? <laughs> what are we doing? Why is the road like this? Um, <laughs> because it is, it's, it's such a tilt from the, the climb to get there. It's like, you know, you, you're doing this and then it's, it's like this. Just straight up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, and I've got, I've got YouTube video of, of like groups like, why are we doing this track? What is going on? Because I'll live stream some of our, oh, our that's really rides fun. kind of thing. Well, so, and I have, um, I recently added the kicker climb to my pain cave. And so that's the thing that nice. your front fork goes on. Mm-hmm. We found a good deal on it. Um, nice. And so I imagine it's just going to go like, whoop, like yep. <laughs> almost buck me off my bike. <laughs> do you, do you, um, not that it matters which one you do, do you adjust your um, trainer difficulty setting? I think I, I just leave it on whatever is standard. Okay. So um, the standard is 50%, which is fine. Apparently, I've learned that some people who race on Zwift put it lower Rude. apparently um which does seem that way but you know there's, there's an advantage and disadvantage of doing it. like right. when, you're, when it's lower you go downhill slower because you'll spin out quicker makes sense right um but when it's at 50 percent, it basically cuts all the hills in half okay um but that also cuts the incline that the climb will do because it's only simulating you know if you're going up a 10 percent hill the the kicker will only give you five percent Oh. But the climb will also only tilt you 5% as well. So if you have a desire, I've, I've tried it on 100%, thing. right? You put it at 100% oh, yeah. and do some of the climbs. And then you'll you'll actually see the, the bike go, because I had the climb as well. And you'll, you'll it'll, oh, sh- why is it, you know, so. Oh, yeah. I got to put it on 100%. I feel yeah. now like I've been cheating. I didn't know. Uh, I wouldn't say you're cheating. <laughs> the, reason they, the, reason, the reason they do that is because... Um, not all the trainers can handle the the gradients. Mm. You know, not all of them can go up to fifteen percent grade or thirteen percent. Some can only do like a six percent. That makes sense. So when it's cut in half, like it's a range that most trainers can actually handle simulating yeah. the, the grade. So I'm assuming the snap can handle it since they're the snap, integrated, right? 
to work together? I want to say the snap can do like 18% or something. Okay. Like the snap can absolutely handle the the 100% um, tilt. Cool. Um, so yes, when you have a time and you're not doing a workout, um, <laughs> you can go up the radio tower climb. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I have to ask if somebody mentioned they've done Zwift kind of thing. That's awesome. Um, uh, you've done some of the races on Zwift? Yes, you've I've done, done a few. Okay. Um, how do you feel about the races? There's like, it's just a, a thing to do. Yeah, I usually do them if <laughs> if there's like a workout that's similar enough to like a race type effort that I'm trying to get out of. I'll be like, can I do a Zwift race instead? Um, just because it's a little extra motivation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mentioned I'm quite competitive. I, if it's like a standard race that's not a hill climb, mm-hmm. I'm a little like, I'm small. And so I'm at a little bit of a disadvantage and just... Right, if it's just the yes, yeah, just, just like brute power. Yeah, um, but it's I think it's really fun, and I usually I've I've done just a couple of the road races, or okay. I, I'm not even sure if I've done a crit before on Zwift, but I've just done a few of the road races, and they're okay. usually fun. And I'm like maybe similar, if like um, mm-hmm. watts per kilogram, and my heart rate's like 30 BPMs higher because I had to like work that much harder, and I'm like yeah. this is not fair. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I I went the other way. I trend that I avoid the ones where it's a big hill in the in the thing because I do not. Um, I am on the other end of the spectrum. Like <laughs> it is a penalty for me going up the hill, um, kind of thing. Um, but either way, I'm glad you've tried some of the races. Yeah. I encourage people to do them because it's a weird thing to just put the watts in, just like you just here and just putting in the putting in the watts, you know, super hard, you know, in your living room or wherever, you know, just like swearing at people that can't hear you. Yeah, it is definitely interesting. So, um, thought I'd ask. Um, I actually got your snacks. Do you use Strava? Yes. Um, uh, which means you have a bike computer. Yes. Um, are you Wahoo, Garmin? I am Garmin. Okay. I tried, okay, actually, let me, I am Garmin wristwatch for triathlon. Okay. I am Wahoo Element Bolt for bike computer because I think it is one of the most intuitive pieces of technology. Okay. Um, especially for bike computers. I look at a Garmin bike computer and like my head explodes. I'm like, ah, granted, I haven't spent the time to get to know any of them, but I'm yeah. like, I can't even look at that. Um, I tried the Wahoo Rival, which is the new triathlon yeah, mm-hmm, watch. Mm-hmm. I had the highest of expectations for it. It has an amazing feature called touchless transition mm-hmm. where you use it in a race and it can tell when you switch from swim to transition to bike to transition to run. Yeah. And you can broadcast it on your bike computer, your bolt. Okay. And it will, you leave it on, you put it in triathlon mode, you leave, mode and you leave it on. And when you come to your bike, it's, it broadcasts your data okay. onto the other thing. Nice. I thought those things were awesome. Didn't like the swim feature. Yeah. It kept disconnecting from my phone. It was a pain. I had to keep resetting it to reconnect it. Um, it, and there was, there were a couple other issues that I ended up not liking. I loved the color of it. I liked the size of it. Yeah. Um, but I ultimately went back to my Garmin. So Um, I got a, um, I have a Wahoo rival for sale if you want it. (laughs) You know, um, I understand the trying the technology and just finally, you know what, this didn't leave up to me, but you're not alone in that regarding the Wahoo rival because I've, I've read reviews of it. Um, and, and I also heard that, like, in the reality, like, it's not as awesome as people were hoping that it was going to be. Yeah, it's um, tough because uh, the other issue is I have power tap, like, P1 or P2 okay. pedals, yeah. and they don't, they're so old. Yeah. They, like, I can't plus. change my crank arm length okay. in the in the app. Oh, okay. And so, okay. and I, my time trial bike and my road bike have different crank arm lengths, 
And so I couldn't consistently get it to show me my actual data. Okay. And so I couldn't get them to connect. And so that was a huge pain and my Garmin can do it. So, but yeah, it's, it's counterintuitive because on one side, the rival has industry like first technology Mm -hmm. with the touchless transition, Mm -hmm. but the people that would be interested in that also want more stuff in the watch and it didn't have that power that a Garmin has. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a lot cheaper, but it's not the same. It's just not the same level. And so I don't know who their market is. If that makes sense, um, but I guess I mean, we'll see if they'll it's change. It's supposed to be. My understanding is because it's you know a swim run watch, like it should be for triathletes. But um, I, I, you know, I'd have to look and see unless they've done some firmware updates. Like it's it's not doing as well because I've seen it go on sale. Um, yeah. You know, and it's still two years old, I think, maybe a year and a half. I, yeah, I think it's younger than that. I feel. Yeah, and they might have released it and not had it out to like the general population yeah, too. Yeah. I know that a lot of pros have had it for a while, but um, so Garmin watch um, and Wahoo bike computer. Yes, is the current setup. Okay, um, and the Wahoo, you're right. The Wahoo, my understanding is they have a bit of an advance because they started later, so they had a chance to build something from the the bottom up with a newer code and that kind of thing. Where Garmin is having to build existing you know they've had bike computers for a long time so their existing code or whatever they're using i believe they're kind of rewriting it for the newer devices so it does seem it's got some new updates but it's still got the backbone of the super 10 15 year old whatever you know bike computers yeah that's my that's my thought because i've heard as well wahoo's super intuitive yeah um so i'm glad that is working out um but you're using strava um are you chasing segments Sometimes. Okay. Yeah. Again, within reason, I'm, I try to strictly adhere to my plan. Sure. So Mm -hmm. you won't see me like, like 99% of the time you will not see me go for a segment on an easy workout. Okay. But like, um, on Friday, for example, I had two 15 minute threshold efforts. Okay. And so I went out like in Goochland to Hockett Road and I was like, I'm going, I have two attempts to get the QOM there. Okay. Um, so I, I might work a segment into a workout that I have. I also really enjoy going to the mountains okay. and trying to get climb segments um, on yeah. my TT bike or my road bike. Really? Just depending on the day. <laughs> um, what is a threshold effort? Directly? Like... Do you mean time-wise or effort level? That's a good thank you. Um, I thought to ask. I clearly have heard of I've heard of threshold, you know, threshold efforts. Um, but what does that mean? And we're like, if someone needs to do a threshold effort, not so much like what time, but like what is that supposed to mean? So I was working. Generally. Yeah. So your threshold theoretically is an effort that you can hold for an hour okay like your hour best performance so okay. it's not a sprint but it's the most you could do in an hour so that's okay. threshold okay um but you don't normally like the intervals i was doing were just 15 minutes okay. because you get a lot of fatigue by working on okay. your threshold okay um so the effort that you would be able to to max hold for an hour put that in for like 15 20 whatever whatever the time is that you're supposed to do that threshold effort. yep okay thought i'd ask it's a good question right yeah. yep um because i as you know there's people who've listened that probably have done training but i think most have not yeah um or at least not had structured training so right. i just thought i'd ask yeah so, so i would if i were like describing it by rate of perceived exertion it would just yeah. be like hard but not all out okay is a good easy way to say it okay um do you recall doing your first ftp test <laughs> 
I yes. Okay. But it was it was with my first coach that I had in college. Okay. And I didn't even have a power meter. So we were testing my threshold but heart rate and he made me do an hour hard on the trainer to figure really? out what my hour heart rate was. I was and looking back on it now, I was like just like really. flabbergasted that I did it. Like yeah. why? Like I yeah. could have said no. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Um but other than that, I think my first power test was when I got to um, endorphin. Okay. I don't necessarily remember the first one, probably for the better. Right, yeah. Um, but I definitely have done many now. Okay. <laughs> and I remember some particularly bad ones and good ones. When you did that, that first one at endorphin with a power meter, right? Clearly not asking what the what the score was, right? Because I assume it's, it's fluctuated, gone up. Yes, like another, yeah. Right? Were you like, oh, wow. That's that's what I thought it was gonna be, or like oh, no, no, like it's super low. Like what we just like what what was the thought once you like saw the result of of said FTP test? I have yeah I I well I mean I didn't really have any context for it because okay. I didn't know what my power I never had a power meter until okay. I got here to Richmond. Okay. Um, all I trained by was heart rate. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I had no idea. And then you know we could what we probably did was took my weight and then did the watts per kilogram mm-hmm. and then stacked it up. Okay. But I can't really remember where I was at. Um, but okay. I didn't really didn't have any context for okay. it like so, I do okay. now. So I was probably just like, cool. Okay. Now I have these like evil zones that I have to try and get <laughs> because I inflicted this pain on myself. Now, now you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have done one FTP. I've done one FTP test on Zwift. Okay. Um, I've done one. And uh, of course it sucked ass. <laughs> um, I did it in the desert because somehow I still I get so into Zwift that like I'm like I'm really riding the desert I'm really so like I did it in the the desert where it's flat so yeah I wouldn't have to think about like yeah. I'm going up a hill changing my effort um, but yeah it sucked ass and I've not gone back and they've added different types of that was when they only had two tests and now there's like four right you know there's a ramp test I'm not actually gone back to go test it. Um, but every so often it updates. You know, I'll do a super hard race and I'm yeah. like, your FTP has gone up. Right. They never lower it though. They never lower really? it. They, yeah. They don't ever. Well, yeah, no, they don't. Because I've definitely done some like 30 minute rides that were below whatever my FTP is set yeah. at. And they never say like, oh, you were awesome three years ago. And now you're like a quarter of what you were. Kind right. Of thing. Yeah. Never lower it, which becomes your workouts. Right. So. Whatever it was, my FTP is higher than what it got set up. But it's never, yeah, it's never adjusted down automatically. But they'll adjust it up. Interesting. You know, automatically. Yeah. But you can, you can move manually, it yourself. You can manually mm-hmm. adjust it. Yeah. Anyway. But uh, outdoor FTP seem, test seems impractical. Um, yeah. I'm not training for anything. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, I asked you about your snacks, Strava. You're usually not chasing segments unless it's incorporated into your, your training, if that's allowed. Um, <laughs> the pandemic. Um, I'll ask, but I find it's always a, a bit touchy because I don't want to, you know, voice something to existence. Have there been any accidents? Yes, actually. Okay. There's been a couple, like, tumbles. Okay. Um, including all of my tip, times I tipped over when I was learning to clip in. Okay. But there was one particu- particularly bad um, accident when I was in college we i was going into my junior year mm-hmm. and i came back like a week early just to train with my friends because that's what we did mm-hmm. and we did a bike ride to skyline drive 
Um, and so two we sky, oh two Skyline right JMU from right, JMU two, okay, yeah. Cool, so we cool, biked yeah. there, biked up the mountain, came back. We were like five miles from Harrisonburg, mm-hmm. and we were in a pace line on our TT bikes. So take what you will yeah. out of that. And something happened, and the person in front of me crashed into the person in front of them. Mm-hmm. The leader was fine. Second person went down, and I didn't have time to react, so I went down. Yeah. I don't even remember it because I hit my head so hard. It knocked me out. I woke up, and I don't remember this, but I woke up, and I thought I was two weeks in the past. So I was asking like the people I was with yeah. where the lifeguards from the pool were. Because I thought I was back in Northern Virginia at the summer pool. Okay. They called the ambulance, you know, got yeah. a ride in the boo-boo box to the hospital. Yeah. When I got to the hospital, they said I started saying the same five things, like, on repeat. Mm-hmm. The same, same five things. And I, the first thing I remember, other than, like, I remember right before we crashed, like, whatever, wherever my memory starts, yeah. was I was like, can we go to Chipotle when we get back? Like, I'm starving. And then yeah. the next thing I remember is me saying those five things that had been mm-hmm. on repeat. Like yeah. I remember saying it the last time through. Yeah. So I got like CT scan was fine. Yeah. Like obviously quite concussed, but yeah. fine. I sprained my wrist, mm-hmm. but really that's all that. Like I was, I think I came out of it pretty fortunate. Okay. Um, and was concussed for a while, but then like they really didn't do much for concussions. Like mm-hmm. now you can get PT for them and people take them a little bit more seriously, but they just yeah. kind of like gave me a note and they're like, you have a concussion. And I just remember being like in <laughs> chemistry and I was like, Ooh, you know, it's like not really there. And I'm not sure. And I remember we, I had just moved into a house with a bunch of like my friends from the triathlon club. Yeah. And I remember like having a really hard time, like understanding where I was in the house and like how the house worked. Like, yeah. where's my room again? Like, so it was definitely took me a little while to recover from that, but um, wow. okay. yeah, that was a, that was a good one, and I'm very um, stubborn not stubborn, but vocal about people wearing helmets because mm-hmm. so, I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. You know, you never know, and like besides that, with like cars and rocks in the road, you just never yeah. know. And so, like my helmet saved my life. So yeah, so yeah, but that was that. Um, I had somebody else mention a accident, Nate, and. Um, he had a bit more gruesome of an accident, but he, he, um, he had a moment where he was asking like, so, so what happened? And, and asking, I think he, I remember him saying like, he asked repeatedly like, Oh, so what happened? And someone yep. explained it and like, he was, and then again asked what happened. Cause he, he, it wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't recording it. Right. You know, that he was asked. It's so, so scary. Yes. So, um, yes, we all advocate for yeah. wearing a helmet, even on the shortest of bike rides, yeah. uh, better to have it. Uh, then find out you needed it and it wasn't there. Yeah, for know? sure. Very well said. Um, I actually went out on the bike ride on last Monday and uh, I didn't have my sexy helmet with me <laughs> and had the other helmet that I, like original helmet I'd bought from like Dick's Sporting Goods and I'd left it in the car. I was like, no, no pictures no. today. So I put on this other helmet. It's like, I was like, does it fit? Did my head get bigger? And, like, and then it like put in, eventually I kind of put in those like, okay, that's what happened. Okay. Yeah. Um, and had to wear that wear that thing, but it did fine once I was out there on the road. I right. rode down into you know Osborne, came back via Osborne. Yeah. Um, kind of thing. Anyway, um, so I'm you know hopefully no more no more accidents you know but but uh, you know careful kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Did you feel well? That was college. After accidents, did you feel any squeamish about like getting out on the on the bike? Kind of yeah. Thing? So. It's one of those weird things for me to say I was fortunate in that I don't remember it because okay. I don't have that like memory 
Okay. That haunts me, but I did notice when I started riding again, depending on who I was riding with, Mm -hmm. it was almost like my body remembered. And if I got like too close to somebody that was riding a little squirrely, I would like flinch. But I didn't know. It wasn't like, Aaron, be careful. It was just like my body would just do it. Okay. Um, And so, yeah, that was really the only thing. And so I was a little bit more careful about who I followed. And that's not like the... The people that I was in behind, that I was mm-hmm. behind when I crashed, they're excellent riders. So that just speaks to the fact that this can happen to anybody. Okay. But I just noticed if I didn't have that trust with the person in front of me, mm-hmm. I was my body was a little bit more sensitive to that. Um, okay. But other than that, I'm grateful that I don't remember it because I, I know that that can be a huge obstacle to overcome. So. Uh, I think I was just saying ignorance is bliss. Or yeah. Like yeah. That, you know? um, so... Um, What's something, do you, uh, with your coaching, do you primarily train people who are training for triathlons or just like people who are just, or like, would someone also seek training from you if they wanted to like, just get better at running mm-hmm. or, or just cycling or just swimming? Like you're, those are also in the purview as well, correct? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So the majority of who I end up working with is triathletes just because sure. of the company I work for. Right. Yeah. But we do get people that are just looking to get better at running or biking or, they like multi-sport. They mm-hmm. might not necessarily be race focused, but they mm-hmm. just want to get be fit and mm-hmm. you know improve. I've never had any pure swimmers that are just looking to swim come to me. Okay, um, that's definitely. But there are like I think other avenues that those people go, and I think they're a little bit okay further. More, like more they're not really. They I I feel like the masters groups typically be where those are is typically where those people go. Okay. Um. But yeah, I definitely get some runners and cyclists specifically okay. too okay. yeah okay all right just just curious if it was you know just triathletes yeah. nope not exclusive okay um what's something you would want to share with like someone who's interested they're, they're interested in getting into riding and particularly um they have an interest in doing triathlon what's something you want to share with someone who let's start with someone who's thinking they might want to train for a triathlon What's something you'd want to share with someone? Like, yeah, well, with little, with little experience, right? They have little experience yeah, little in the experience. three. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think surrounding yourself with a community is really important. Um, I'm biased in that. I think it's good to get a coach, but that's because mm-hmm. I also value having a coach, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but and and a coach can be included in this community that I'm speaking of. But mm-hmm. I think it's important to have a community because I know that that's how I learned everything. Like I don't know if I I don't know what my like triathlon career would look like if I didn't have all of those like mentors that I had in the sport at JMU that Mm -hmm. just took anybody under their wing and didn't matter how many times they were falling off the bike or if they couldn't make it down the pool Mm -hmm. um just so selfless and I think that that's a really critical part of learning um And the sport can be really dark if you're by yourself for most people. Some people do it by themselves all the time (laughs) and that's fine, but I'm very people oriented. And I think it takes a community to be able to show somebody like their potential and to be able to speak positivity and truth into somebody that might be down on themselves. And it increases the like well of experience that you have to learn from the more people that you have in your community. Mm -hmm. Um, Like maybe... Joe has never crashed his bike before, but I have, so I can share with Sally, like, hey, here's some things to do to protect yourself from crashing or, yeah. you know, and so, but like, she wouldn't have known that if she only had Joe in her corner, right? So yeah. 
Um, I, I really think that finding that community is important. Um, I think, yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't think I would be in the sport at the level that I am without it. So, okay. Yeah. So, so having a supportive community helps. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, what's your earliest memory of a bike, of being with a bike or riding a bike? Yeah. So core memories that I remember like. That you can recall clearly. Yeah. yeah. Biking down the sidewalk and it was probably my dad, but could have been my mom. Like I just remember kind of learning like no training wheels, like let's yeah. go. And then like the next memory I have is like me and my friends in the neighborhood creating something that we called the Fairfax 100, which was, um, okay. in our like little neighborhood, the road went down and then like there was a little, like a very small roundabout, like maybe 15 feet diameter with a little like tree in the middle. And mm-hmm. we are like, we're going to bike a hundred times around the tree <laughs> and we're going to call it the Fairfax 100. And I think we maybe made it like 30 laps before we were like, let's go to the swings. But like, <laughs> That's cute. <laughs> that's that's very cute. The Fairfax 100. Fairfax 100. We should make that an event somewhere. Yeah, we, you can only like register ten people though because it's so small. Like, <laughs> do it virtually. Um, either way. Um, do you have a favorite cycling kit? Do you have a kit um, that you find that just seems to be much more comfortable? It's one you wear a little bit more often than others. Um. It just stands out. Let's go with that as well. That's also could be acceptable. Yeah. I would have to say I have a um, champion system kit okay. that I want to say is race cut Okay. that I really like. Um, but I try to wear my endorphin kits more often. Okay. And we have one. I have one that is an ex- Exceed is the brand. It's X-C-E-E-D. And the reason Endorphin went with that brand is because they manufacture children's cycling and triathlon kits, which is important for us because we have a youth um, contingent as well. And um, I find that one very comfortable too. Uh, But that Champion System one, there's just something about it that I really like. But Okay. Yeah. Okay. Thought I'd ask. Um, And I'm also learning about all the many brands um, that are out there of kit. Yeah. there's a bunch again i'm in the realm of like i know what's like super either popular or what's like i've seen ads for um and i've not heard of champion system was mm-hmm. one okay never heard of that one yeah i feel like i've seen exceed though um somewhere but either way thought i'd ask yeah um yeah so um and here i guess we'll say i would like to thank you for your time Aaron. of course um this has been awesome i will ask you now um there's been some discussion with a couple other coaches I've had on this on the podcast. Uh, would you be interested in doing maybe like a coach's corner at some point in time, right? There's a couple other coaches I know. Yeah. Um, and like having a time where we like, I'd get some questions ahead of time and then we'd all have like a discussion and like bring up the questions and kind of talk about them, you know, as a group or something. Like yeah, that. I think that would be awesome. I'd love to be part of that. Awesome. We'll yeah. Figure that, figure those details out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, coming out. Thanks for for coaching all the people, being awesome in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thanks so much know. for having me. This has been really fun. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you.